Producer Michael Miracle here, and before we get into today's podcast, I'd like to quickly invite you to join the I Work For Him Nation. Being a part of the nation is all about being Jesus in your workplace, because you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. So, head to our website, iworkforhim.com, and click on the nation flag, then prayerfully consider joining the nation. We'd love for you to join us in this workplace movement. Thanks again for listening. Here's today's podcast. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Thanks for tuning in to I Work for him today as you listen to us live in Tampa Bay on the radio and on iHeartRadio around the globe. Thanks for tuning in to letstalkfaith.com, Red Nation Rising, and thanks for listening to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. However you hear the show today, whether you're listening to it today or maybe someday in the future, just know that we've prayed for you multiple times that what you hear today will cause you to dig deeper and connect in what you learn on Sunday with what you do in your 9 to 5. And I understand that what you do in your 9 to 5, maybe 8 to 5, maybe you know, 11 to 3, maybe 7 to 11, whatever it may be. Well, 7 to 11, that's Slurpee Day is next month. Just think about that. Okay, sorry. All right, but today we've got a great show. Ladies, what are you passionate about? Are you passionate about something that can be turned into money, into a money-making obsession? Do you want to learn how to make money doing what you love? Have you been wondering if there's a book out there that can help you through the process of getting set up in business, maybe even backed up by a consulting service that can help you along the way? How about a book with a Christ-centered perspective on business, about business, on how to start a business? I've got just the person, Christy Wright. She's part of the amazing Dave Ramsey organization, and Christy has written a book for you. It's called Business Boutique. You can find out more about it online at businessboutique.com, businessboutique.com. It's a woman's guide for making money and doing what she loves. But men, before you stop listening, everything we talk about today will pertain to you as well. If you want to start a business, I've read the book from one end to the other. It's got, I, you could just change the pronouns and it's all for men. It's amazing. Now, some of the stories might be a little more emotional that you might be comfortable with, but don't hang up the don't switch because this is an amazing conversation. Stay tuned because you are going to love Christy Wright. Christy Wright, welcome to Iron Work Frame Radio. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. Well, Martha and I are thrilled to death to have you here. And we've been, you know, we've been a serial, well, I don't know, we're not the typical serial entrepreneurs, but we've done a lot of business. We've done a lot of small business. We've helped a lot of people be, we've been number two. Martha, you and I have been number two in a lot of businesses, yes. helping small businesses. But it's a lot of fun. Loved the book. What I loved most about your book was your stories. I mean, I can't wait for people to hear the zippity zip. <laughs> and, and I can't wait for people to hear the Christie and Jill competition, but I really want to know about the running in your wedding dress and the tuxedo on the half marathon with your husband. I mean, those stories are great stories. But first, this question, as an image bearer of God, how does your work reflect some aspect of God's work? You know, that's such a great question, Jim, and I'll tell you, we um, we did several events this spring as a part of the Business Boutique book launch, and we would do one-day events, and the, the way that I close out the whole event, so we've been there all day with these ladies giving them the plan, talking about money, talking about sales, all that good stuff, and in my very last talk of the day, I talk about pushing past your fear and going for it, and the very last scripture I use is in Matthew, and it's Matthew five fourteen through 16. It says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do you light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, you put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And what I remind women, but this is true for everyone listening, when you shine in your gifts, 
people see God. And so I want to equip women and men uh, to shine in their gifts. I certainly think that is what I'm getting to do through the work that I'm doing, is shining in my gifts. And when I do that, what people love about me has nothing to do with Christy Wright. It has to do with the God that they're seeing as I'm stepping into the gifts He's given me. And so that's what I want to help people do. You know, you've got an amazing story, and it's told throughout the whole book, uh, Business Boutique. And again, you can find a copy of this book online at businessboutique.com. Tell us how you became a Christ follower. Well, for me, I actually didn't grow up in the church, um, and so I'd gone to some youth group camps and that kind of thing with friends in high school, uh, just kind of going along with their family, but it was actually a high school ministry called Young Life, which I'm sure many people are familiar with. It's a national ministry uh, that really reaches out to high school students, and uh, they have clubs and camps and campaigners, which is kind of a small group and that type of thing, and it was going to a camp my sophomore year of high school as a 15-year-old uh, where I gave my life to Christ, and they, they shared a message that just made sense with me and clicked for the first time in my life. And uh, that was the beginning for me. And of course, it was not only the beginning of me being a Christ follower, but it was certainly me, the beginning of me being heavily involved in Young Life. And so since then, I was a volunteer leader for 10 years. I've served at multiple camps on staff as a, as a donor, as a supporter, and, and that kind of thing. Certainly, I feel my entire life is indebted to that ministry in particular because that's how I met the Lord. So I love being able to support what they're doing. And it is a great ministry. We had a lot of friends go through Young Life. We were involved in campus life when we were in high school school, but it just getting kids when they're at a time when they're really trying to figure out, okay, faith, is it really something to this God thing? You know, it, it's, right. it's a great time to get them in high school. Well, and it's such a great mission, the way that they do it, where they go to where the kids are, just like Jesus did. They earn the right to be heard. They love them without asking them to change their clothes or hair or piercing or anything about them. They just love them right where they are. And it's funny because if, I know you said you read the book, but I've got stories in there of my farm animals. And uh, fun fact, oh, well, let's all just, of let's my just... farm yeah, let's just go to that story. The, the one where you're your first <laughs> okay. rental, your first rental, and you decide to rent a farm. Yes, so my first uh, little side business was um, boarding horses to help me pay my rent at this 40-acre farm. I was 23 years old, did not grow up on a farm, by the way. Didn't know the first thing about farm life, but I thought it sounded cool. So I uh, went for it and started this little horse boarding business, and I got a horse and uh, a mini donkey and a couple of fainting goats, which are hilarious, by the way. I uh, had some barn cats and all that, but then when years later, when I felt God leading me to take this job with Dave Ramsey across town and kind of give up the farm life, I actually donated all of my farm animals to Windy Gap, which is a young life camp in North Carolina in Weaverville. So right now today, uh, my horse, my mini donkey, and my fainting goats are all at uh, young life camp making high school kids happy, which makes me very happy. <laughs> There's nothing greater than a video of fainting goats. There really... oh, there's nothing better. If you just want to laugh, like just Google fainting goats, because people ask me often, well, what practical purpose did they serve on your farm? And uh, <laughs> none. It was just purely for my entertainment. <laughs> and but, it was worth it, by the way. <laughs> but you can imagine that's what the video would look like if people were actually able to tip cows. That's what it would look like. But since cow oh, tipping so is not real, you the can't really... It's oh. hilarious, but then it would also be kind of frustrating because I would go to feed the goats and I would sit the bucket of feed down and before I could pour it into like the feed tray, they would stick their heads in the bucket and then they would lift their head up and their horns would get caught on the feed bucket handle and they'd be walking around with the bucket swinging on their face, which would scare them, then they'd fall over. Like it was like an SNL routine, like you couldn't make this stuff up. <laughs> That is just great. So take it from, she was actually telling a story. You interrupted I just, because I couldn't wait for the farm story. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So now I'm not sure where that was going, (laughs) but, but that's okay. Christy, we would love to hear then. How did you then get so passionate about business? 
Well, for me, it's kind of a series of events. And, you know, I was um, talking to someone the other day of, of what it's like to kind of discover your sweet spot or your calling. And, you know, I think some people get intimidated by the idea of calling. I know that I do. Um, for me, I don't know that I'm in my calling or one purpose I was put on this earth to do. What I do know is I'm doing something that I love and that I'm good at. And um, for me, that discovery came through a lot of activity. So I was raised by a single mom that started a business. I was raised in the business. Then I pursued a degree in business. And then I became, years later, a certified business coach. I started my own side businesses simply because I needed to make some extra money on the side. And so you start to see a pattern here of like how God is weaving together all these different pieces of my story for a moment is this. But you know, I see some people that feel kind of stuck, and they're like, man, I don't know what my calling is. I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what my one thing I was put on this earth to do. And I'm like, you know what? Just figure out something you're good at and that you love to do and go do that, because I think it's through activity that God will show you the next step and light the next step. And there may be a season that you feel is purposeless, but later on you see, wow, how he's going to redeem that and use that for uh, for something later on that you can't see right now. So for me, it's really been a series of events that certainly at the time I wouldn't have known were playing a part of the bigger story. You know, looking back at mom and how her and I struggled so much growing up, we could have never seen that to be sharing that story on stages all over the country, giving right. hope to women. Uh, but it's just amazing what God can do with things that seem very insignificant or even things that seem very difficult. Well, and you are truly inspired by your mom. The way you talk about her in your book, and, and just talk about how much you, I mean, she still inspires you today. 30 years later, still decorating cakes. What I want to know is how'd you stay skinny with your mom making <laughs> wedding cakes for, for all those years? I mean, because you said you really, you hung out at the business. You hung out in the bakery. You hung out where they're making cakes all day long. Uh, I mean, that's, I don't, I don't know how you did it. I don't, I don't know. You know, I was always a very active child. I love to play sports and that kind of thing. But I'll tell you a little secret. This is a confession just between me and you and your bazillion listeners. Uh, I didn't love her cakes because I had them too often. So her cakes <laughs> are delicious. Everyone in Nashville raves about her cakes. And I like them more now because I have them less frequently. But I just had them so often that I kind of got tired of them, to be honest. I get so that. I didn't eat them as much as you might think. <laughs> All right. So we were talking about your mom and the cake business as we went off to the break. And, and, and I just I loved the stories. But, you know, after spending all that time with your mom in the bakery and the cake business, did you ever, did you grow up dreaming that you were going to be an entrepreneur? You know, I don't think I did, but I, here's what I did grow up knowing. I knew that I could do whatever I wanted to, and what I mean by that is not like everything was going to be handed to me, but my mom has one incredible quality that she has passed down to me through teaching me, but also through modeling it for me. She is incredibly persistent. Like, she is such a hard worker, and if she gets knocked down, it doesn't faze her. She just dusts herself off and tries another way. She's very resourceful and scrappy, and she's a go-getter, and so that was such a powerful model for me that I didn't grow up wondering if I can follow my dreams. It was just, which dream did I want to follow? And so there was something very powerful about that example of giving me the confidence to go for it. Now, I didn't ever think it was going to be easy, and I didn't think it was going to be effortless, and it was just going to be handed to me, but I did know that if I if I put my mind to it and worked really hard, I could make it happen. And uh, the whole you know saying where there's a will, there's a way was very true for my mom. And and I think that example is what shaped me. You know, uh, Dr. Meg Meeker is one of my favorite favorite authors, and she says the most powerful way to teach a daughter how to enjoy life is to let her see her mother do the same. But that's really true for everything, not just enjoy life. The most powerful way to develop confidence in a daughter is to allow her 
her to see her mother be confident and so on. You can apply that to inequality. And uh, so for my mom to be just such a go-getter is what shaped me to be a go-getter. Now that's turned into uh, teaching women about business and being an entrepreneur and that type of thing. But I don't think I, I could identify that as an early age. It was more just whatever I wanted to do, I was willing to work for it. Well, you know, you said later on in the book that, you know, when you talk about you're, you're one of those visionary entrepreneurs, you, you said in there, I get 500 new ideas a day. You know, right. <laughs> trying, trying to decide what ones to focus on is something that, you know, you get a lot of people listening today going, OK, but I've got lots of ideas. I don't know which one is the best idea to pursue. And, and really, this book will kind of help people figure that out because it'll step by step guide them through the process. But how did the Lord lead you from from watching your mom be a business person, which she didn't set out to be a business person. She just set out to provide for you. And, and, right. and her. I mean, just, you know, you just want to feed yourselves and have a house over your head. But how did the Lord lead you to be an expert in helping women start business? I mean, you, you started with a horse farm. That's right. You know, that is such a great example. And it's funny because even before that, um, I worked for the YMCA in Nashville, Tennessee, and I was an aquatic director. And so I led a staff of 50 all the way up to 200 teenagers. So my staff were, you know, 15 and 16 and 17 year olds, and they were paid $6 an hour to have one of the toughest jobs in the building of watching the water and watching kids and keeping them safe. But by the way, they were mainly focused on getting a suntan and looking cute in their swimsuits. So I have all these life experiences that at the time, you may think, wow, that doesn't have anything to do with what I'm doing today. But like I said a little while ago, it's incredible when you pay attention to your life and you pay attention to what the Lord is doing and you pay attention to the chapters of the story He is writing in you, then you can start to kind of tune into His radio station and lean into themes and lean into more of what He's doing. And so there was at no point that I said as a 16-year-old or even 26-year-old, I'm going to help women start businesses. That never crossed my mind. But one step at a time, one season of life at a time, I leaned into what God was doing. And so, um, for example, I started out speaking for Dave about seven years ago. I guess it was about eight years ago, actually. And I was speaking to women. Well, that turned into I really loved speaking to women and found that I connected with women. And then from there, I spoke more on life balance and what it's like to be a mom and work. And then that evolved into, wow, I have a background in business. I'm a certified business coach. You just start to put the pieces together and lean into that next step that God is lighting for your path. And and so for me, it's been a series of leaning into the themes of my life to pay attention to what we're doing right now. Yeah, I loved the story about your first speaking engagement. And, you know, but I think we've all been there. We've all been there. Everybody that's ever done any speaking has gone in and, and well, just felt horrible about everything that we did. And, totally. you, and you got stumped by a question. You got stumped yes. by a question. Could you, yes. Go ahead. Well, this wasn't actually my first talk. This was about six months into speaking. That wasn't my very first one. I've been speaking for a while. This was just the first audience that was older than me, primarily male, had a higher level education than I did. So I was a little intimidated going in, but you're right. Like we've all had those failures where the rug is pulled out from underneath you or you fall flat on your face and you've got to figure out what to do from there. And unfortunately, some people see that event as an identity. Uh, instead of seeing the event as what it is, as maybe that event was a failure, they see themselves as a failure. Right. And, well, I guess I should never speak again. I should never do this again. And that's what wounds will do. You know, as I wrote about in the book, and you're familiar with this when I told the story, the whole way driving home from that event where I just completely bombed, I told myself, never again. 
Never again will I speak. Never again will I put myself out there to embarrass myself or fall or fail in that way. And that's what wounds do. When it hurts and it embarrasses you, you never want to make that mistake again. And um, in yeah, fact, it's, it's research those, shows It's those that, failures, though. The failures right. are what make us successful. That's exactly right. And it's interesting because research shows that women more often than men are fearful. For example, as early as age six, little girls break more often when riding their bikes. And so they're more cautious. And in fact, they show that little girls don't want to make the same mistake twice. When you think of the implications of that in business with men and women, sometimes women are just simply more fearful and more risk averse. And so if we have a failure like that, we tend to take that on as an identity and say, well, that must mean I'm not supposed to speak. So I guess I'll never speak again. And thankfully, I, did, I changed my mind. <laughs> I've been speaking since. But so that's what I was going to ask. How did you turn that around? If you told yourself all the way home, never again is that, am I going to let that happen how then did that switch around to of course years later now you're still speaking and and god's using you in greater ways than ever well, that's such a great question. I think for me, it really comes back to what I was saying about my mom. And she always dusted herself off. She always kind of got back on the horse. And, you know, I, I, that's, that's an analogy. But growing up, I literally did fall off a horse and <laughs> swore I'd never ride again. My dad literally made me get back on and ride. And so there's some of these life lessons that once you can get past the initial shock and the humiliation of whatever happened to you, whatever wound that scarred you to the core, uh, and you can find uh, redemption in that. You can use that and leverage that and uh, uh, you know, one of the quotes that I use in the book that I use on stage often is by Michael Jordan, and I love this example because it's exactly what you just said, Jim, where failure is a stepping stone on your journey to success. In fact, you can't be successful unless you fail along the way. And Michael Jordan said, um, who's great, arguably the greatest basketball player of all time, he said, I have missed 9,000 shots in my career. I have lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot, and I missed. I have failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. So whenever we start to learn that failures are not an identity, it's an event. And in fact, it's a stepping stone on your journey to success. And you can dust yourself off and force yourself to keep going anyway. Even though it hurt, even though it scarred you to the core, you just keep going anyway. Well, and that is what's so powerful about your book, Business Boutique. As we talk today with Christy Wright, who's just released this book, Business Boutique, find it online at businessboutique.com. We'll be giving away a couple of copies after the bottom of the half hour. You know, what I love about this is that you're encouraging women to start a business for doing what, making money doing what they love, as opposed to just making, you know, starting a business to do, just to make money. You know, there's some people that just start businesses, well, I just want to make money. So they do a business, they don't necessarily love it. But you're encouraging women in this book, Business Boutique, don't waste your time just making money. Do something that you love. Why is that so key? Well, it's so interesting because what I've found for women, at least in the research that I've done, is they have the opposite problem, Jim. It's not that they go into it to make money. They actually don't care about the money at all. <laughs> they should care about the money a little bit more, Jim. Like Many of them are not making money, and that's why I want to help them with the selling and the pricing and the profit and paying themselves because many women intuitively, they want to do things that are meaningful. They want to help and serve people, which make the best businesses, but I'll have to help them them and show them 
how to charge for those things. You know, in fact, the most successful businesses are those where the entrepreneur or business owner, they have their heart behind it. They have a heart to serve. They have a heart to help. Those are the businesses that rise to the top. The people that get in it just to make money, you can feel it. The market will feel it. The customers will feel it. You feel like you're being sold to. You feel like you're being taken advantage of. Uh, you feel like there's an agenda involved. Whereas the best businesses are simply solving problems. They're simply serving the marketplace and helping meet needs. And when you do that, that is something people are willing to pay for. It's not a bad thing. It's actually a great thing when you are paid for the value of your work. I was trying to find a story where you were doing some consulting with a lady and you were about two weeks into it and, and you noticed that there was, that it didn't matter how well she was, she was providing great service and she had a good budget. She had everything put into place. I can't find the chapter while I'm, I can't find it under pressure. Oh, I know exactly what but, you're talking about. But you, about. So you stopped oh, yeah. her and said, do you really want to make money or do you feel bad about making money? Something like That's that. Right. I mean, that was a powerful question because there are a lot of people who are like, I just, I don't know, I feel kind of bad charging money. They do. There's there's somehow, and, and there's a little bit, let's just be honest really quickly, there's a little bit of this belief in our culture that making money makes you evil. That money somehow makes you a bad person. And the truth is, we've got to go ahead and call something out. Money is amoral. It is neither good nor bad. It's like a brick. You you know, the brick is not a nice brick or a mean brick, but when you put it in the hands of a person, it can be used for good or used for bad. You can build an orphanage with that brick, or you could throw it through someone's car windshield, but the brick didn't decide. It's just a stinking brick, right? Money is just like that. You can put it in the hands of a person. It can be used for good or used for bad. And so when we realize that it's amoral, it's simply a tool that allows us to do the things we want to do, provide for our family, and make an impact, believe it or not, for the kingdom of God, then we don't have to feel so squirmy and weird and awkward and guilty for making money. In fact, uh, if you want to get literal here for a second, in the parable of the talents in the Bible, you look at the example of the man that was given one talent, the man that was given five talents, the man that was given ten talents. If you were looking at that in dollars, we're talking millions of dollars in today's you know, money. We're going to have to pick that up after the break. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> All, right. All right, Christy, I've been teasing this. we got to talk about it. All right, I'm just going to take a step back. Your book is so complete in giving people the instructions from one end to the other on exactly how to start a business doing what they love. But you got a couple of stories in there that leave empty spots. Yeah. One, of, <laughs> but one of them is you're sitting on a beach with your girlfriends in Miami, and you're dream, dreaming about the things you're going to accomplish in the next year, but you make reference back to the disastrous trip in 2006 to Myrtle Beach. <laughs> but you don't say anything about it. So Well... It was just one of those things where it was kind of like the stars aligned and it was a perfect storm of uh, terrible weather and we had car trouble on the way there. It was like one thing after another, which always just made for great stories and a lot of laughter. Uh, That was our first girls trip in 2006. And we are even today and yesterday texting about what our trip's going to be this year. I think we may go to Charleston in in about a month or so. So it's funny that you bring that up because we're actually planning our trip for this year that we take every single year. But yeah, it was just one of those things where we've got a lot of funny stories from all the misadventures that occurred on that trip. <laughs> I, would Im- I would imagine. So going back to how you met your husband, you've got a passion for running. Where did you get a passion for running half marathons? 
Well, it started uh, senior year of college. I decided that I was going to try to do a half marathon. I was at a dinner one time for a friend's birthday, and someone said, I think I'm going to do a marathon. I was like, oh, I'll do it. I'll, I'll train with you. Like, I just decided right then that I would do that. Uh, I'd always been a runner in high school, but only did sprints. So I ran, like, the, you know, for track events, it'd be, like, the 400, which is one lap around the track. So I was always a, a sprinter and never did distance, but I thought, well, I'll try it. And uh, and once I got into it, man, I just loved it. I really loved the distance running. And so um, when I was about, I guess, 26 or so, I joined a little running group here in Nashville, and we would go to races together and go to trivia night, and we'd ride together to go to different events. Uh, we'd go camping. We just kind of became buddies, which I was single in my you know mid-late 20s, and this was a great group of people to hang out with and just be active and that kind of thing. And then, of course, as God would have it planned, that's where I met my husband, though that was not the plan. So uh, we still run together today. We go on trail runs, and we do triathlons, and uh, something we really, really enjoy getting to do together, if we get some moments out of the house away from the babies. <laughs> I was going to say, when you get your free time, and you'll get more and more free time as the kids get old. But okay, then you get married and you talk about running. I can't, I, I, I read it and I don't remember. Did you run? It says you ran your half marathon. I can't remember if it was right before your wedding or right after your wedding in a wedding dress and a tux. Okay, now that's a little bit of an exaggeration. I dress, I ran dressed as a bride. So what I did okay. was I wore a white Well, don't most skirt. brides wear wedding dresses? <laughs> You said you dressed as a bride. My husband wore uh, one of those dry fit shirts that I painted like a tuxedo shirt, and I had a veil, and so we kind of made it look like a bride and groom, but no, we were still in running stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, I just wanted to ask, again, just little tidbits that you got to find right inside the book. There are so many great stories, and that's what makes this a great book. It's not just a... Here's how you do it. Then you turn the page and here's... No, it's full of incredible stories and and people's experiences. And that's what I love. And before we end today, you're going to hear about Zippity Zips and somebody who started doing something they love just out of desperation and it turned into a multi-million dollar business. So let's... Let's get into this. You start the, the, the business side of this book after giving a lot of background. You say you start with the why. Why is right. understanding our why so important if we want to start our own business? Well, you know, I'm such a student of uh, Simon Sinek, Dave Ramsey, and he are good friends, and he is the author of the book, Start With Why. He also has a very successful uh, TED Talk, How Great Leaders Inspire Action, which is the whole premise of his his book, Start With Why. And really what it comes down to is when I was creating the business boutique business plan, which is what the whole book is based around, so cover to cover, the book is a plan, and I started thinking through all the elements and bases you need to cover and things you need to plan for, the very first element I wanted to address was why are you doing it? And uh, Simon Sinek talks about this from a marketing angle, but really uh, why you do it has so many other important uh, aspects to your business. So number one, why you do it will always affect how you do it. Why you do it will help you push past challenges when things get hard, because in business, things will get hard. And so when you know your why and your motivation, you're willing to push past those challenges because you know why it matters. Uh, but why also affects your marketing. And so Simon Sinek says people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. So you better know why you do it. So really, uh, I don't know of any other business plan that I've ever found that has that element, certainly not the first element. And that's what I wanted to start the business boutique plan off with, not only to make it different, because, but because... I believe that why you do it will inform so many future decisions you make about the business. So you've got to start there. You've got to start at the deeper level of meaning. And if you don't know the answer to that question, that one question, you should stop. That's right. If you don't know know why you're doing it, it's such a 
great point. If you don't know why you're doing it, let's pause there. Until you know why you're doing it, you're probably not going to be very successful. Well, and really, you know, we, we haven't talked a lot about the integration of our faith into this, but it's really just kind of the assumed deal that builds into all of this, is that, you know, as a Christ follower, we're starting a business, doing something that we love, knowing that God has given us these our unique set of gifts, talents, and abilities. Your book, Business Boutique, right here, we're talking with Christy Wright today about her book, Business Boutique. Find it online at businessboutique.com. Your book helps people put God's plan into action. It really teaches people how to do it right. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I love what you guys do. I love everything about your show because so often people have the idea that if you want to make an impact for the kingdom of God, you have to go into ministry. You have to work in the church or nonprofit. You can't make an impact or do meaningful work unless you work in ministry. Now, ministry is fantastic and nonprofit is fantastic, but the truth is when you do your work as unto the Lord, you can be a janitor, you can be a gardener, you can be an accountant, you can be an organizer, you can teach some lessons. And when you do that as unto the Lord and you serve people, you're doing God's work. Right. You don't have to be in a church to do God's work. So let's get real specific. So, Chrissy, one of the things that I'm sure that, um, you know, you and I can talk about probably differently than Jim is when you're talking with women, what are the unique things that they're running into that you are able to address in the book and in your, um, you know, when you're speaking? Sure. Well, I'm so glad you asked that because I've been asked several times uh, over the last couple of months as we've gone through the launch why I wrote this book specifically for women. And Mm -hmm. certainly, as we've talked about, the business principles apply regardless. But I think we can all agree that men and women are wired differently. We've uh, Women, for example, we value ourselves by our relationships. Mm -hmm. And women, as a generalization, tend to be more emotional. So, for example, research shows within the first five minutes of talking to a man, he'll tell you in some way what he does. And within the first five minutes of talking to a woman, she'll tell you in some way how she feels. Mm -hmm. So there are these aspects that are very unique to our gender and how we are created. So one of those attributes, for example, is we are very relational. So women tend to, uh, we value ourselves by our relationships, like I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I'm a sister, I'm a friend, I'm a daughter. And uh, this can be incredible in business. So for example, I did not spend any time in the book talking about customer service. Uh, Now, customer service, of course, is very important in business. But you don't have to teach a woman to take care of people. We do that intuitively. We can't Mm -hmm. not take care of people because it's who we are and it's how we're created and how Mm -hmm. we're wired. Mm -hmm. But then the flip side of that attribute, when it comes to setting policies or pricing or selling or protecting ourselves or paying ourselves, because we're so relational, Sometimes we get a little awkward. Sometimes we get squirmy, like, well, I don't know. I don't know how to sell. I don't want to be pushy, and I feel guilty charging because we're so relational. So I spend a lot of time in the book, as you know, talking about how to sell with confidence, how to serve people, how to pay yourself and make money and not feel bad about it and that type of thing. So I think really for me it came down to understanding how women are wired, and I wanted to write the book to meet their unique needs. We're talking today with Christy Wright. She's just released a brand-new book, Business Boutique, a woman's guide for making money doing what she loves. And it's so important. We're never going to cover all the book. Well, that the whole point is we're not going to cover the whole book today because then you won't buy the book. Go get the book. Go to businessboutique.com and get a copy of the book. If you 
are wanting, loving, to, you just want to do something that you love and make money at it, this is a book that's going to help you get there. You know, and having those dreams, Christy, and having a, a commitment and knowing that you've got a goal is really important. I love the story of you running your half marathon and knowing that if you ran it in a certain amount of time, you would get a free $1,000 to give to your favorite charity. Why is it understanding that kind of commitment to a goal, why is that so important to us starting a business? And tell the story. Well, you know, a lot of the people that I work with, they kind of accidentally slide into business. They kind of just gradually start charging, and they will look up one day, they're like, oh, my gosh, I'm running a business. Like, they never set out to run a business. And when we do that, we don't really start with the end in mind. So we don't have mm-hmm. plans and goals and mission statements and uh, visions for the future and all that good stuff. Well, when you don't start with the end in mind, uh, not only will you make more mistakes along the way because you didn't really plan for where you're actually trying to go, but it's very easy to cross someone else's finish line. Other people, family and well-meaning friends will say, well, you should do this. Well, you should offer this. Well, you should try this. And if you don't know where you're going and you don't know what lane you're in, you're going to get distracted uh, very easily. And so that's why I like to help people set goals. What is your version of success? And let me help you get there. Now, for one mom, her version of success might be opening three locations and having a staff team of 50 people and making seven figures this year. And another mom, she might just want to pay for soccer camp this summer. And that's okay, because whatever your version of success is the only version that matters. But the truth is, goals are just a tool to get you there. And so I like helping women think through, what's your finish line? And then let's set some goals to get there. And the example I use is from running. You know, I use so many running examples, but I set a goal to break two hours on this particular half marathon because if I did, Dave Ramsey and the leadership team give $1,000 to a charity of your choice. And uh, I was right there on the line and it came down to the wire. I was sprinting the last uh, minute. I could not feel my legs. I kept obsessively checking my watch, uh, knowing that I was close but not sure if I was going to make it. And I crossed the finish line, literally flailed my body over the finish line like Olympian going for the gold. And I crossed it, stopped my watch, one fifty nine. 54. Oh, my I mean, word. I barely made it, but I got the $1,000, so I reached the goal. <laughs> That's so awesome. But you say such a great thing because, you know, Jim keeps saying, you know, if you have a dream, this will help you to make the business. But like you said, a lot of people just don't even realize they've really started a business, but they need to do it with excellence. If they're really going to put their time and their effort into their dream, um, you're giving them a lot of tools to do it well. And that's, I think, another just aspect of a lot of people that are that want what they're doing to really make a difference. Well, I think too, it's because we talk about in the beginning of the book, you know, dreaming is scary and vulnerable and you feel kind of silly when you say your dreams out loud. But the truth mm-hmm. is many of the women that kind of accidentally get into business and they start really small, you know, there may be one mom that this year she says, Hey, I just want to pay for soccer camp. Man, it'd be awesome uh-huh. to earn an extra $500 this year for my kids to go to soccer camp. As she earns that extra money and the business grows and her successes and her wins grow, it fuels her confidence to set bigger goals. Mm-hmm. And in two years, she's saying, you know what? I want to contribute to our family income, the equivalent of a full-time job. And in five years, her husband has quit his job to go to work for her. Like, you are seeing <laughs> some crazy stories. But that doesn't, they don't start out saying, hey, I want to run this huge 
organization with team members and seven figures, they just start out wanting to pay for soccer camp. But as they get more wins and as they, you know, experience more success, their confidence grows and their confidence as that grows, they set bigger goals because then their mind and their heart are ready to dream bigger. But they didn't start out that way. Sometimes it happens and evolves over time. You know, and and this is something that you cover in your three-day business boutique it, that that you've got one coming up in November, right? A business right, boutique yeah. three day. Talk That's to people right. about that. We got about a minute before we go to break. Tell people about how they can get involved in the business boutique coming up in November. Sure. Well, it's November 2nd and 4th here in Nashville at Cornerstone Church. And the truth is, uh, we put on this three-day event. It's an incredible experience. We have so much fun, a lineup of amazing speakers. But whether it's through our event or the Business Boutique podcast or through the Business Boutique Academy, which is our online community, or through the book, I don't care how. I just want to help people make money doing what they love. And so however they connect with us, I want them to have the tools and encouragement they need to win. So the event is certainly one way to do that, uh, but we have other free resources at businessboutique.com. I just want them to have what they need to do what they love. Businessboutique.com, or as she says, at businessboutique.com. <laughs> I'm from Minnesota, so I'm sure I'm right. Businessboutique.com. Oh, I got it. <laughs> All right, Christy, I want people to hear the story about Zippity Zips. I've got, a, Martha and I have a new grandson. We've got three grandkids, but we've got a brand new grandson, and and I, as I was reading it, I'm like, oh, we should have heard about that. That would have been a great gift. Tell us the story of Zippity Zips. Well, it's a great example. Stephanie Parker is a friend of mine, and, you know, years ago she was just a mom that had a very common problem of new moms, and her baby wouldn't sleep. Um, Somewhere between uh, month two and three, her baby was rolling over, and so you can't swaddle your babies when they can roll over so they're not face down, kind of stuck in that position, uh, you need to have them uh, be able to have them uh, free, their arms free. But because her baby had the startle reflex, or the moral reflex, they call it, uh, her baby would wake, wake herself up. So she'd startle, wake herself up, because her arms would flail around because she was unswaddled. And so Stephanie, night after night, her and her husband were not getting any sleep, and this was right around the time that she was supposed to go back to work, uh, and she was really kind of dreading that. She wanted to be home with her new baby. She really felt called to be home and didn't want to go back into uh, her previous job. And so after weeks of getting no sleep, she thought, I've got to fix this problem. And she knew it was a startle reflex. So she thought, maybe if I could create a little sleep sack where my daughter could feel her edges, where if if her arms flailed open, they didn't just fly. They kind of felt a little contained, but she could still purse herself up if she rolled over on her belly. I know this is hard to visualize, but it's better than being swaddled in a little cocoon. She's a little bit free. So she sews this ugly, kind of tattered little sleep sack that if you were going to picture it, it really looks like a starfish. So if you just picture a starfish, I was looking, uh, that's... Yeah, I was going to say a goldfish, a, upside down goldfish, the yeah, latest one. there ones, you yeah. go. That's what it looks like. And so the arms are, you know, have these little pointy arms and pointy legs, and they're they're not totally free, but they're free enough for her to move around. And so she sewed it, put her daughter in it, zipped it up, put her daughter in it, and her daughter slept 12 hours that night. And she thought, okay, I am on to something. And so, uh, try, you know, her friends started asking her to make them one, so she made some for her friends. And eventually it just started taking off because moms talk. We women love to talk. So word spread, and she was hiring people down the street to sew for her because she couldn't keep up with the demand and uh, went on to Shark Tank uh, after having huge levels of success on her own and uh, was able to um grow the business to a multi-million dollar business. And it's still, it's called the um, Sleeping Baby Company, Sleeping Baby Site is what she uses. But um, but you missed one, you, you missed one, I don't want to correct your story, but you missed one point. They got accepted on a shark tank and they turned down 
That's the right. Act, the why? very first they did because they didn't have the infrastructure to support the kind of exposure they were going to get on that show. And so it took incredible wisdom to do that. And so they turned it down that first time they knew they weren't ready. And then once they had built up the infrastructure, the demand, they had enough inventory that they thought would last uh, for at least a few months or at least a few weeks at minimum, went, finally were ready, went on the show, and then they sold out like within hours. Um, so that definitely would have made their business crumble had they gone on the first time. But, of course, we're able to uh, kind of bounce back from that and leverage that success versus letting it kind of make, a, make their business go under. And that's really what your book helps people think through. Those kinds of examples get people to think, huh, wow. So even though I could have been an instantaneous success, my success could have crippled and crushed me. Wow. I never that's even right. thought about that. People don't even think about that. One last question. What is the number one question you get asked at the Business Boutique? When people are coming in to hear you speak, what is the number one question people ask? What do I do if I'm scared? It's amazing how so many people think that it's a lack of tools or answers or solutions or money or time that keeps them from starting their business, and it's not. I'm telling you the number one thing that keeps people from pursuing their dreams and using their gifts and following their passions is simply fear. Now, fear may have a different voice. It may say, well, you're not ready, or someone is doing it better, or who are you to do this, or you're not experienced enough, or you don't have a business background. You know, it has a variety of different excuses and um, words that it uses. But the truth is the root of all of it is fear. And what I remind people is you don't have to wait until you're not scared to do the thing you want to do. You just do it scared. There's no such thing as ready. Ready is a myth. And you're going to learn the most by doing. So get out there and get moving. Try some things, see what sticks, and go for it. Because I promise you this, there are people right now today that need what you have to offer. But it just really takes stepping out in faith and trusting God with the dream that he gave you. Christy Wright with Business Boutique. Thank you so much for sharing your book, for being on iWork. It was a great conversation. We really appreciate you being on today with us. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks. Check out Christy Wright's greatest book, Business Boutique, A Woman's Guide for Making Money, Doing What She Loves, businessboutique.com. Businessboutique.com. Get a copy of this book. If you want to do what you love and make money at it, get a copy of this book. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field. But ultimately, I I work work for him. him.